Welcome back to the Spirit and Truth Podcast. On today's episode, we sit down with Matt and talk about his most recent trip to Kenya. We cover so much in this conversation, and I really don't know how to introduce it, and I don't want to give anything away, but it's a great testimony to God's presence at work in the body of Christ. I can't wait for you to hear it. Hello, and welcome back to the Spirit and Truth Podcast. I am Maggie Ulmer, and I am here sitting with um, some lovely people. I'm going to let them introduce themselves. Tony Meltenberger. And Matt Reynolds. So it's the three of us today, and we are going to talk about something. I I love hearing stories about this, but I'm going to go ahead and let Matt um, dive into this. What are we talking about today, Matt? Well, we're going to uh, talk about the global component of our ministry, and in particular, uh, our partners in Kenya uh, just uh, returned from a trip there just just recently, and so just wanted to share some of how we're seeing God move in powerful ways there. So just for the folks who don't know, um, give us a little background on our friends in Kenya. Sure, yeah. Well, this is... This is an aspect of Spirit and Truth's ministry, like most aspects of our ministry, that I did not <laughs> really plan to happen. Uh, it was one of those things that the Lord just unfolded in a way that just seems obviously His hand was in it. And so, um, really, it started a few years ago. A friend of mine, a pastor from North Carolina, invited me to go with him, kind of on a whim, to... Um, a trip to Kenya, and there's some mutual connection uh, with some leaders there, a district superintendent and a pastor there, and uh, my wife and I had been praying the night before and really had heard something from the Lord that caused us to be very open to that invitation when he called the next day. He said he was praying, and God kept putting uh, me on his heart to invite me to this trip that was coming up. It was only in a couple of months uh, after that call, and I instantly just knew because of our prayer time the night before that I was supposed to go. I really didn't know why. We didn't have any specific goal in mind, uh, just that I was going to accompany him and his little team on this trip to Kenya. And while I was there, I met um, Pastor Davies Musigo, who leads an incredible church in the heart of one of the largest slums on the continent, and um, instantly just had kind of a heart connection with him. And we we both sensed the Spirit had um, sort of crossed our paths on purpose. And so a whole bunch of stuff has happened since then, but it really started with kind of a what seemed like a random trip when I, I didn't anticipate that God had something much bigger in mind. Definitely a divine appointment. Matt, I think that there are probably a lot of listeners who are hearing this, and they're like, man, I, I want that so bad in my own life. So let me ask you this. As a leader of a ministry, as someone who's open to what the Spirit is doing, how do you create space in your life for the Spirit to speak in ways that literally directs your paths? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, I mean, you have to spend time in prayer. That's one thing. Uh, I mean, that sounds like duh, but if you don't create space to pray, um, you miss out on hearing things that God wants to speak to you. And so, I mean, some of that's just very practical, like just creating, in that instance, 
my wife and I had just been praying together the night before and um, had felt God's nudge in, in a way that related to, you know, taking steps outside of our comfort zone. And I think we even had some discussion about international stuff. And then, you know, so when that call came the next day, I was prepared for that in a way. And I heard it as an invitation from the Lord in a way that I wouldn't have um, if I hadn't been spending time in prayer the night before. So I think that's just practically you have to make space. I also think it takes just practice. I mean, learning to hear from God, I think, is um, just like anything else. The more that you practice it, the more kind of fine-tuned that your hearing gets, and you start to recognize His nudges and His voice in ways that maybe you wouldn't have before you did it more. And so, so for me, uh, I mean, this, this is the, I mean, in some ways, this is the whole story of spirit and truth, honestly, <laughs> is just this idea. If you think you're hearing something from the Lord and it aligns with what you know of his character, it doesn't contradict his word, and you get affirmation within the body, then you just do it and see what he does with it. I mean, there's um, the thing that I've learned about hearing from God is the more you respond in obedience, the more he's ready to speak. And so um, I think it's creating space to, for prayer, but then also you have to act when he when he gives you direction, even if you're not 100% sure, because most of the time you're not. You just have to take a step of faith if you believe that he's nudging you. And more often than not, you realize, oh, that was the Lord. And the more times you do that, I think the clearer it gets. And so um, I don't really have any good ideas myself, to be honest. I mean, this ministry is not my idea at all. Uh, This whole thing has just been a practice in whether it's myself or others hearing something from the Lord and just trying to be obedient to that. Yeah. I think it like a, a couple Sundays ago, maybe you were, I forget you preached and you were talking about having a plan. And I think I asked you, Matt, has there ever been a plan? <laughs> and you were like, no, no, <laughs> no plans. <laughs> no. Well, it, the, the thing that's funny about that, this is kind of God's sense of humor is, my nature, by sort of my own DNA, at least um, earlier in my life, I was—I really love plans a lot. I really like things that are sort of scheduled out, figured out, planned out, linear. You know, I always joke about that's why I got an engineering degree. I mean, I really like things that are calculated. And the Lord has just been slowly stripping me uh, uh, of that tendency for a long time now and it doesn't I don't think I don't I don't think this is an invitation to just uh, be haphazard and I think strategic planning is important and we can think about the future and invite God into that space and all of those things I'm I'm on board with all of it um but I think the more that you yield to the Spirit, the more you have to be willing to abandon your plans mm-hmm. and trust the Lord with things that 
you didn't, you know, it wasn't, it was never written on your five-year life goal list, you know, and but but the more that you do that, though, I've seen God do things that I never could have dreamed of. They weren't even just like this this Kenya stuff we're getting ready to yeah. talk about. That was never remotely on my radar, and it was just one simple little yes to a guy asking me to go on a trip that now has unfolded all kinds of stuff. And I couldn't have planned all that stuff out, but the Lord is gracious, and He leads us into things, you know, with just little simple steps of obedience. So um, this was your third or your fourth trip? Just my second. Second? I was supposed to go. Oh, that's right. And then um, a year or two ago, and then all the international travel is kind of messed up because of COVID. Darn COVID. Yeah. (laughs) So this is, yeah, this was our... Just my second trip, and uh, it had been over three years since I was there, and um, it was amazing to see, just having waited that long to return, all the things that God had done in the time that I'd been since I'd been there. So, um, our our listeners may have heard through other podcast stories about Kenya and um, Atari Slum, and and the poverty is often an aspect that is lifted up because there is tremendous need there. Um, but I love the way that you talk about the real riches of that place. And I was wondering if you could talk a little bit about that now. Absolutely. It is, I mean, Matari Slum is known as one of the poorest places on, on the planet. I mean, there's, um, it's a third largest slum in all of Africa. Uh, you have somewhere between a half a million and a million people living in a small, area most of the housing is uh just sheets of metal kind of patched together in little huts you have families of five eight ten people living in a ten by ten space there's no running water sewage runs along the streets people starve i mean it's the worst poverty you can imagine so that is that's how the place is known to the world right but what you're referencing is the part that just I think ignited my heart when I went the first time was to see the way that the Spirit of God is at work in such a difficult place. God is doing some incredible things. And, you know, I'll never forget that first trip because, you know, we we show up for church. We did a variety of things while we were there, but we show up for church, and uh, this is a church that has grown. It started... Uh, Pastor Davies started this church with, a, I think there was about five people, just a little small group, really. And now it has hundreds of people. And it meets in a um, a little, I don't know how to describe it. It's like kind of like a lean-to structure. Uh, it's, it's kind of like logs with metal put over them. And um, they rent this space, this to give you a flavor of the culture, they rent this space from a guy who doesn't even own the land that it's on. I mean, this is just kind of, everything is just kind of set up and squatted on there in that government property in the slum. But um, this square footage, is, I would say, is roughly the size of like a two or three car garage in America. Mm. And... You know, you show up for a church, like, just to give you a sense of it, like, from this last time, you show up for church at, you know, 9 o'clock. They've already been uh, having prayer and worship for a while. Like, by the time they pick us up and 
and bring us to the church. Uh, often they've already had a um, hundred kids there for children's programming, and they do like Bible study with the kids and um, just incredible stuff. The kids have to then exit so that because you can't fit everyone in at one time. They have these plastic chairs that are just crammed in there. Every square inch of the space <laughs> is filled with humanity. And uh, so then the kids will go out and play in the alley uh, next to the church, and then the adults start to come in. And the church services, at least when I've been there, range from three to four hours typically. Um, and people are there genuinely joyful. Uh, you know, these are people who... Have, Many of them living on a dollar or two a day. There's 80% unemployment rate in the uh, slum. And yet they come full of joy to worship the Lord. And it's, um, it's just amazing to see the Spirit of God is at work. You know, I've shared this uh, little testimony before, but I, uh, there's probably some folks that haven't heard it. The first time that I was there, I remember on this one, uh, it was like, I think it was like a Saturday morning outreach. And they, um, they had these widows and single mothers uh, there because they wanted to, to help support them. In this kind of patriarchal society, those are, those are some folks that kind of get cast to the side yeah. in that culture. And so they have ministries to, to really, <laughs> this is how they think about it. Well, the Bible says we're supposed to care for widows and orphans. So we just do that. You know, that's how <laughs> it's in the book. Let's so do it. So uncomplicated. Yeah. And so um, these, so they, they lay all of these clothes, shirts and shorts and, or pants and stuff across the front and just lay them across these chairs. And then they have these uh, widows and single moms come up and select clothes for them or for their families. And... Um, I talked to Pastor Davies afterwards, and when we when we went last time, um, the first time, they had not had a, many connections yet with Americans, and so um, it was kind of a rare occurrence to have, you know, a, an American missionary team there at the time, and so these, I thought, well, where did they get the resources? They don't have anything. They don't have any money, you know, as a church, like, where do they get the resources to have these extra clothes? And so I asked Pastor Davies, where did these clothes come from that you're passing out? And he said, well, from the people. And I'm, th- I'm looking at the people and thinking, I mean, some of them don't have much more than the clothes on their back. And he said, well, if, you know, if someone has three shirts and they can go with two, then they'll bring the extra one and then we'll distribute it to those in need. And I'm getting choked up thinking about it because I thought that was like a moment when I was there on the ground and I thought, oh, my goodness, like I'm in the presence of real Christians. <laughs> like these are yeah. real Christians. Yeah. Like they're doing this stuff. Like this is like, you know, when, the, when, when Acts describes the early church, you know, sharing what they had in common so that there was none in need. Like I was seeing that lived out in a way much more sort of clearly and directly than anything I'd ever seen in the U.S. And that sort of spirit that permeates the, the, the people of generosity and love, compelled by Christ, even in the midst of having nothing, um, I just realized in that moment and, and many at, since it, that 
this is a church that has much to teach us about what it looks like to really follow Christ. Mm. You know, Matt, we've we've been in a lot of churches together. You've pastored several. I've pastored several. Maggie's pastored several. No, I have not. <laughs> well, I mean, your family has, right? You know what I mean, right? And I often think about the the paradigm differences between the North American church and um, what you're talking about in Kenya. Yeah. And and I wonder is it our is it our independence that keeps us from dependence? Mm. I mean, I. I I think that the average Christian in, in most of our churches now comes 1.6 times a month. Um, we're definitely not going for multiple hours. We're definitely not crowding into a lean-to garage space. Yeah. What's the difference between a slum in Kenya and a suburb of Dayton? Well, I do think our comfort is a great um, barrier to real discipleship, and I don't think it's a coincidence that the places where you see the church growing and thriving, many of them are the places where it's actually cost you something to be a Christian mm-hmm. and where people are not um, sort of inoculated by just endless comfort and entertainment and wealth. And so when these people come to church, you know, no one's no one's coaxing them to be there no one's like trying to trick them in with cool programs or you know a flashier worship service these people are coming without any of that stuff because they don't have anything else and what they long for is god himself and so for them like it's not a sacrifice to stay for three or four hours Sometimes they stay longer than that. You know, it's, the church is kind of an all-day affair. And my sense of it is when I'm with them, and it was the same way when I was there this last time, is, you know, I, I'm going to come to the place where I can experience the actual presence of the living God, and I can be with my spiritual family who's more important in my life than anyone else. Like, where else would I rather be? Why would I ever want to leave that? And that's the sense that I get from it. This is like... Because they're not just, you know, filling themselves up with false gods, uh, and, and they still, look, it's not perfect, right? There's still issues in the church. There's people, so there's issues, and there's, there's still, you know, real, there's, there's other ways to build idols in your lives. But because they're, you know, they don't have all of that stuff filling up their time and, and space like we do, um, there's an openness and a and a real desire to pursue the things of God in a way that we there's a hunger there, and um, we're not a very hungry people. We are, we just don't realize it mm-hmm. because we have so many false kind of foods rather than spiritual food that we fill ourselves with, and um, so you know what it, it's given me new appreciation for the places in the scriptures where Jesus talks so directly about the poor. Um, because I, you know, like the Beatitudes, for example, when he's describing the way people are blessed uh, who are lacking, blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Like when I when I read these kind of things or when I, you know, read his warnings about, you know, it's easier... Um, for a camel to pass through an eye of a needle than a rich man to inherit the kingdom. 
I start, I start to understand those things more when I spend time with my Kenyan friends because I see the way in which, you know, and not being encumbered by all of the stuff that we actually consider blessings in our country. Mm-hmm. We, we, count, we always say, like, just, oh, I'm so grateful that I was born here. Think of all the, the blessings that we have that other people don't have. And there is, like, I don't want to disparage that. There is some truth to that. And yet those blessings become barriers um, because of the way we make them into idols in our lives. Yeah, I'm often struck by <clears throat> the way that you describe the the, the joy that yeah. you encounter in Kenya. And one of the things that I... Um, that's not uncommon to hear, I think, among our American brothers and sisters is to say, well, you know, you know, religious liberties are coming under attack and things like that. There's kind of like a a pushback or a rationale sometimes to say, well, it's not all that easy to be Christian in America. And and the thing I <laughs> I often think when you're talking about Kenya is like, you know, it's unpopular to be Christian in America. We're not dying. Yeah. And the point you're making is is the brief moment of embarrassment or discomfort that we feel, and frankly, we should we should be utterly ashamed of those <laughs> those moments. The brief moments of discomfort that we experience because our Western culture pushes back against the the radical nature of what Jesus preaches, we often numb. We go home and we numb it right away yeah. with all of the things that we use that to entertain ourselves with absolutely and that and so we actually we're never persecuted yeah. because we're never uncomfortable yeah and anyway i i'm i'm grateful for the testimony that you often bring back and and you know i often feel challenged as to you know like going there and <laughs> Anyway, but um, so if we could shift to gears briefly, I've, I would just love to hear about the just the experiences that you had this last yeah. time. Yeah, well, it was an incredible trip, and there's a couple of things in particular I'd love to share about. Um, one is about some new churches that Spirit and Truth helped to plant in the last year, and I also would love to share a little bit of just powerful move of God that happened on the Sunday morning worship while we were there. Um, So this trip uh, had folks from uh, Ohio, Arkansas, North Carolina, a small team, seven people, and we went for multiple reasons. Um, One, we were checking on some uh, sort of humanitarian-type projects that we are engaged with. We have, uh, just to give you a brief overview, we have a number of partners around the U.S. who have helped partner with our local Kenya churches uh, to to work on a variety of projects. So the relationship that we try to build between American churches and the Kenyan churches are is a truly symbiotic. They have things that we do not have and we need to learn from. But we also have some resources that they do not have and that we can uh, help invest in in some of the ways that God is working there. So we were we were checking on um, this Arkansas church. Uh, led by uh, Andrew Thompson, who happens to be on the board of Spirit and Truth. Um, they just invested a lot of money and built a well in the slum that's now providing uh, clean water for hundreds of uh, folks there. And it's it's on the property there, connected to the um, school that 
um, Pastor Davies Church runs called New Hope Education Center, which is also part of it's a part of a facility that Spirit and Truth uh, churches have helped to purchase and and maintain. Um, so we're checking on that project. They helped to dedicate that well for the community. Um, another thing we went to do, and what in this part of what I wanted to share is to check on a couple of these churches that we helped to plant. Um, so Spirit and Truth has done a number of pastoral trainings um, around Nairobi, and then also in the western part of the country as you get out into the bush, uh, out past Lake Victoria, kind of close to the Ugandan border. Uh, there in Busia County, we've had a number of uh, trainings for local pastors as well as kind of uh, like a, like revival services and some evangelism initiatives outreach and in the midst of that God moved powerfully and Pastor Davies and I as we talked he really felt compelled that we needed to uh, there was opportunity to plant some churches and so we've done that now three different times one in Nairobi and two out in that western part of the country and so one of our goals was to go and visit them and kind of check on these pastors and that have been set up there and 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 honestly, that was one of the most humbling parts of the trip for me. Um, I had a, you know, I had conversed with these people or and done some teaching over Zoom and these kinds of things, but it's just entirely different to be there on the ground with them. And I did not have a full sense of the way God was moving in these new churches. Um, one of them was just planted this summer. And it's growing, and it's incredible what God is doing. The, the first church we went to is in a place called Mudembe. And just to give you a, a flavor for this church, when we when we pulled up, uh, this is in a very rural area, and the structure is is basically packed mud uh, that where they have taken like a rough, you know, stick tree frames. They've made a frame out of that and then hand-packed mud to create walls that dries. And they built this themselves just in the last few months in order to have a place to worship in the, for this new church. And one of the cool things they were telling us as we got there, um, the, the land that it's on was donated for them because people wanted a church in that area. The uh, structure itself, like the the timber that was used to form the sort of beams, the structure, was donated by other churches in the region who also were trying, like this is the kind of communal sense Mm -hmm. of that culture. They donated and actually helped them to build this church. So don't see it as a competition. They like, we we want another church in this area serving people and, you know, lifting up Christ, and so we're going to help you build this place. So really the only thing that was uh, purchased through kind of spirit and tree support was the uh, the roof, which is like metal sheeting. The rest of it was all built by hand locally, and, um, and it was incredible. This is a place. I mean, that's just as poor, if not poorer, than most of the folks in the slums. So while you were there, they gave you a very special gift. <laughs> <laughs> they gave us a number of gifts. Actually, this was just. It was honestly, it was overwhelming. I, I really didn't understand what was happening. I stepped into this place, and I met some people who had only ever, you know, met me on a screen. It was just a surreal experience, and we got to worship with them, and they were so overjoyed um, 
that we were there and like there's such a honoring culture yeah. that they presented us with these gifts. So these are people, again, they have nothing, nothing. They're just trying to have enough food to live that day. And they presented us with um, carved items, a bowl and a spoon and some baskets that they had made. And they <laughs> made this little boat uh, because they're in that lake region outside of Lake Victoria uh, that had painted spirit and truth on the side of this boat that they had carved for us. Um, and then they gave us a bag of fresh greens. Uh, you know, I don't think they're realizing, like, we can't, some of these things we can't actually take on the plane, but that's okay. Uh, they, hand, you know, gave us this bag of fresh greens from the local crop. And then the last thing, they, like, all of a sudden, they, they hand me a live chicken. And... <laughs> I've never held a live chicken before, <laughs> uh, but I have now. And the thing is, it was kind of, everyone was enjoying that. We had, you know, especially the other Americans were laughing at the face that I made when they um, gave me this chicken. And it was a really fun moment. Um, but in talking with Davies later and just re- recognizing what was happening, that's a massive sacrifice yeah. for people who have, you know, having... Um, they don't often ha- get to have meat with their meals. And a chicken is probably the most prestigious gift that they could have <laughs> given us in that time. Yeah. And I, I was just overwhelmed by the whole thing. Here we are, we're, we're worshiping in a structure they built by hand out of mud. Most of them don't have enough to eat. And they're giving us a bag of their crops and one of their chickens. Um I don't, I'm not sure I understand that kind of love. Mm. Well, so after that, you had a wonderful experience of worshiping in Davies Home Church. Yeah, we um, we went and visited. We did get to visit uh, the other church that we planted out in that region, and it's flourishing, and there was dozens and dozens of people there it's less than a year old also which was amazing and then we went back to Nairobi um, and one of our last day there was actually on a Sunday a Sunday when we got to worship with the local church and um, it was a beautiful service um, and we experienced during the, m- the middle of that service I th- think perhaps the most powerful move of the spirit that I've ever personally experienced in my lifetime Um, you know I've experienced over the years some crazy stuff and seen God do move in powerful ways through healing and miracles and you know people overcome by his presence but there was a moment um, in that service where the spirit of God blew through the place in a way that was more than what I'd ever experienced in such a tangible way that I think every person in the room was physically impacted in some way Mm. and um, yeah it just was interesting to see their spirit the the spirit is is so alive in the way that they they just give God room to move in their services and so this wasn't even we hadn't even gotten to the sermon yet we're like two hours into the service and yet 
just the services kind of ebb and flow with prayer and worship. And there was a moment where the Lord just, where things shifted, this young man was sharing a testimony of being called into ministry, and God spoke to him in a dream that aligned with a word that one of our team members shared uh, the day before at the pastor's workshop that we offered for about 80 pastors in the region. And when you say a word, you mean a, a prophetic word. Yeah, I shared a word, prophetic word that he had heard on driving over on the way to the conference. Uh, so we, we led a, another thing we did w- while we were there was lead a workshop for, um, we have a bunch of pastors who now are kind of connected with Spirit and Truth, and we help provide training and resources. And um, so we had a workshop for them on Saturday, all day. And one of our speakers, part of our U.S. team, uh, shared on the drive over in the van a word that he'd heard from the Lord, and um, it aligned with what this young man had heard in his dream from Mm -hmm. God the night before. And really, God was calling him into ministry, and we got a chance then on Sunday morning when he shared this testimony um, to pray over him and anoint him, and it it was so powerful. He was so honest and just it was beautiful the way he shared the way god had been speaking to him and the burden that he had put upon him um and and it was really i think in his testimony when you sense things starting to shift in the service and after that the lord gave me a scripture that i um as i sat back down it was another one of those we talked at the beginning of this conversation about just Sometimes when you hear from God, you just have to act on it. And um, there was a, a psalm that he put on my heart that I was like, it wasn't really my turn to speak. Davies was kind of leading some prayer time. I didn't, I've never inserted myself in that. It's a very, you know, Davies is the the leader of that church. And yeah. I, the kind of honor culture, I never would insert myself. But the spirit would not let it go. I mean, it was just almost painful. Uh, so... I just stood up and I went over and I stood next to Davies and then he sensed what God was doing and handed it over to me. I shared this scripture and as I read it, um, the Spirit of God just fell in that place. There was a particular line in the in the psalm that, um, yeah, God's presence just came in such a palpable way. And so as we then I started to pray. Um, I, I kind of I preached a little bit, actually. I don't even remember exactly what I said. It was <laughs> one of those moments where you just caught up in the Spirit, and uh, I don't remember everything that happened, but I started to preach, and then I started praying, and um, people uh, around the rooms uh, fell down under the weight of God's presence. Um, some people were caught up in, in worship. Some were on their face weeping before the Lord. Some were, um, you know, just laid out in the spirit uh there were actually you know i know this will stretch a few folks but there were a couple of um uh, women who uh then started manifesting demonic presences in their in their life and um you know i think god came it was such a holy moment the holiness of god just fell in that place and so as we talked later and i you know was talking with the congregation it's not a it's not a um coincidence that at that time when the when god's presence comes then anything of darkness starts to come to the surface and so then um 
In particular, there was one woman who experienced probably the worst sort of manifestation of a, of a demon that I've ever seen before. Uh, became almost uncontrollable, and it was very intense. Uh, but they, um, over some time, she received prayers for deliverance and was set free. And um, she looked after that, as one of our team members said when they talked to her later. She was there for lunch and all of that. There was just a light in her eyes. She looked like a different person, mm-hmm. and it was incredible. So I know we don't, in American churches, you know, we don't think about that stuff too much. We don't, um, I know people in my own church would get nervous about those kind of manifestations or talking about the demonic, but uh, in that moment when the Spirit came, people were set free, and it was just, um Yeah. It was powerful. People, God. yeah, people were received prayer all over the place, and gosh, it's it's really impossible for me to capture in words what happened. Um, it's just you couldn't you couldn't be in that space and leave not knowing the reality of God. I mean, He revealed Himself in a way that was very tangible, and um, I think everyone just had the sense. <laughs> God is literally with us right now, and there's nothing better than that. Yeah. Well, I think one last question. Sure. And then, um, yeah, we'll just we'll leave everybody with this, all of this to chew on. But just piggybacking a little bit on, on what you just said, you had a couple, at least one person from church with you too two of them yeah two and so as a pastor this is this is part of why we want to take people that's right to kenya um talk a little bit about like what what the difference is is that you see you know in people who who maybe their only experience of christian life or christian culture or christianity in general is what we do in the west Right. And and what the difference is after after Kenya. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. I mean that's exactly right. One of the our goals in going there is not just to it's not a, a traditional mission trip where we're going to do something for someone. Yeah. We do partner with them and help to to work on various projects like I mentioned the school and the water well and all of that. But our you know, it's a truly symbiotic relationship. We're going to learn and to experience what God is doing in their midst so that we can hopefully carry some of that DNA home with us. And, um, you know, I, I like one of one of the guys that you mentioned from our home church, who's a good friend, and um, it was, in, you know, he shared recently in a testimony, He's he's been leading a, a water filter project, and because of his fundraising and implementation, he's a doctor, and they, we've uh, distributed something around 800 filters one and one filter is for one family, so it's a, a lot of families that have impacted who can now get clean water um, through this initiative. And yet, so he went really kind of to to check on that project that we're working on, and what he his testimony was, <laughs> uh, be, because of what he experienced Sunday morning, he realized the real reason that he was there was to receive spiritually. Yeah, 
And that's what he shared, actually shared that with our church uh, when we came home and shared some testimony. He said, I thought I was going for one thing, but I realize now God had me there for something else. And that's what people experience when they go there. And, you know, and and for him, for example, he was actively involved in one of those uh, deliverance situations. And the reason that he was willing to, to get involved with that, and I don't know that he was entirely comfortable, but the reason that he, he, um, knelt down and got involved in that prayer situation is because he'd experienced some some similar things um when he his first trip was to cuba yeah and he experienced the power of god and some of what's happening in in the church there where revival is breaking out and he'd seen some of this before and he's been shaped and changed and completely open to things that i don't think he would have ever been open to before because of that experience and now he's like actually you know doing deliverance ministry with this woman in Kenya because of those experiences. And so God shapes us. He cha- You can't be in those environments and see God move in those ways or worship alongside these Christians who are displaying the fruit of the Spirit in such real ways. You can't experience that stuff and leave the same, the same way. Yeah, yeah. And so it is, a, it is my hope that more and more people could experience the way God is moving in these kind of places, it's not just in Kenya, it, it's in it's in Cuba, it's in places all over Asia. I think right now, American Christians have kind of a dismal view of the church. Yeah. Because all they see is within their own little bubble, and they, only, and they just think, well, the church is withering, things are so, you know, they're getting worse, you know, it's declining. But that's just not... That might be our reality in our little pocket of the world, but that's not the global reality. Yeah, not at all. God is moving in, you know, incredible ways. People are coming to Christ right now at a rate that I think is unprecedented in human history. And when you look at the global south, when you look at, in, in especially in some places where where people are actually under persecution. You see the church that's growing in places like Iran and in China. You look at the places uh, that are, you know, full of poverty, but where the church is booming. It's, um, we need, we, as American Christians, we've got to break outside of our little bubble and, and, and go experience some of the ways that God is actually moving. The typical Christian in the world right now, if you just took the median sort of, what's the average Christian? It's not a white English speaking person. Yeah. Mm. And so if we're not, the, you know, we, we, we still have this kind of false idea, I think, about ourselves that kind of America is like the hub of Christianity. That's just not the truth. Yeah. And so I, part of my own personal desire is, I mean, I don't know. I want to, <laughs> it's kind of my personality. I want to be where the action's at. I want to see the places where God is moving, where they're actually reaching people with the gospel and people are becoming real disciples and the Spirit is moving in power because not just to, to offer them something, I'm going because I want to learn something. I want to see how God is moving there in hopes that somehow maybe some of that could some of that fire could spill over here uh, into the U.S. Amen. Yeah. I mean, in many ways, we're like little baby Christians compared to yeah. other places, other people, other places. We're moving into a time, I believe, where um, America is, in many ways, it's shifting from just historically ascending nation 
to where I think now we'll be the receivers yeah. of missionaries. And places like Korea, many others, are now you know, sending missionaries to the U.S. Yeah, I think Barna actually just published something like that not too long ago that we're, we're the largest or fastest expanding mission field yeah. in the world. Well, on that note. <laughs> <laughs> A podcast for another day, perhaps. Yeah, definitely. Um, Matt, thank you. You know, thank you for just sharing your testimony and uh, thank you for going. And, um, you know, many people are the benefactors and recipients of testimonies when we do stretch ourselves and go places and obey, just obey the spirit. Amen. That's been our podcast for today. Thank you so much for listening. And if you're interested in helping to support the ministry of Spirit and Truth and the work that we do in Kenya, head on over to our website, spiritandtruth.life slash give for all of the ways that you can help support us. Thank you so much, and we'll come back to you next time.